So I am so honored and excited to be with whoever is watching this today. And um, I have no idea what you're going through, where you are in your life, if you had a happy childhood or if you're carrying scars from your past. Um, I don't know how God has brought you to this video today, if you know about camp or if a friend sent it to you, whatever. But I know something that we do have in common and that brings so much joy to my heart. We are all, every single one of us on this planet, made for love. We are made for God's love, to be specific. And we're made to be not just receivers of His love, but to be vessels of His love. Just like the blood vessels in our body receive blood from the heart and return blood to the heart, we are meant to be vessels that carry His life to others, His health, His his well-being to others, other people. We receive it from God and we bring it to others. We get rid of toxic waste. We help maintain abundant life and we bring that back to God in a beautiful cycle of love. And the way that I want to talk to you about that today is through the Lord's Prayer. Most of you are probably familiar with the Lord's Prayer, but it is an incredible insight into God's love and all the ways that he manifests that to us and the ways that he wants us to manifest that love to others. So there's a slide that they're going to put in the video. And I want you to see the cycle of what I believe about God, what I receive from God should affect what I believe about myself. And then what I believe about myself should affect what I do. And what I do will affect what I convey about God. And that will affect either what they do or what they believe about themselves or what they believe about God. And it all just keeps cycling around. So a lot of times that um, I have a list of people that I pray for that have fallen away from God. And a lot of the times the reason why people don't believe in God in the first place or fall away from God is because what they say they believe they don't allow that to affect what they believe about themselves and then or they don't allow that to affect what they actually do on a day-to-day -day basis the way they spend their money the things they think about where they put their passions their energies what they choose to talk about they don't let what they believe about God affect those little things and so therefore it just undermines their faith it undermines their confidence in God and you can read about that cycle in 1 John. If you go through 1 John, you'll see that cycle just continuously mentioned. Like if you love God, you will love other people. If you don't love God, if you don't love other people, you don't really love God and so on. Things about your sin, your choices and so on show you um, what you truly believe about God. So A.W. Tozer said, the, what comes to mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And so a lot of people don't think the very first thing about God is his love. Or if they do, they don't have a full picture of what that love looks like. And Jesus wanted us to have a very full picture of God's love. And if you wanna have a fun exercise, take the Lord's Prayer and then take these pieces that we're talking about today 
and go compare them to Psalm 103. I'm sure tons of other Psalms as well. But this just happened when I was studying this that I read Psalm 103 and I said, all the pieces of the Lord's prayer are in here. These are things God has wanted us to know about his love since before Jesus came, what he's wanted us to know all along. You can find most of these things in the Ten Commandments and so on. So let's look at the Lord's Prayer. The first phrase in the Lord's Prayer is, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. So I want us to look at his love in this phrase. His love is a fatherly love, so it's like a family love, but yet it's condescending. And in Romans 12, it talks about how our love should not be where we're looking to associate with high and rich people, people who have stuff to offer us, but condescend to men of low estate. And God is the, the, the prime example of this kind of love. Though he is in heaven, he, he is choosing to be our father. And this is incredible. He's created and he's purchased us with Christ's blood. So his father love gives us priceless value, divine identity, and guaranteed perfect provision and guidance, the exact provision that we need, the exact guidance that we need. So if you think about that kind of love, that's the love you have from God as our Father. So how does this affect how we view ourselves? What we want, what we do, do our lives extend God's Father love to others? Do we see others as priceless, each with a divine identity, every single person? False teachers, do we pray for them? Do we see government leaders with a divine identity and purpose? purpose? Do we see people who have hurt our kids or our family members as priceless and with a God-given divine identity? Are we willing to sacrifice to provide what they perfectly need, which is the love of God and the guidance of God in their life? Are we willing to do whatever it takes to guide others to their true father? God is so high, so far above us. He's doing, doing all of this from a place of unapproachable light, holiness, and he's so humble in his love to love people this way, to enter into their weakness, to love people no matter where they are, no matter what they've done. So when we see this love for us, how can we ever consider ourselves more important than others? How could we not choose to suffer like Christ to ease others' suffering? And how could we ever choose to preserve our own comfort while others are suffering? So you can see just in this one phrase how God's fatherly love that's so dear and near to us is so humble at the same time and willing to sacrifice, willing to serve, willing to suffer, willing to be ignored for the good of those that he loves. So we can learn so much about how to be vessels of love just from this first phrase in the Lord's Prayer. The second phrase in the prayer is, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So we first saw that his love is familial yet condescending. And here we see that his love is noble, literally as a king, and sacrificial. Um, as rightful king over all his creation, God is worthy of our respect, our love, our obedience. Yet he's abundant in mercy towards people who constantly transgress his laws. He's patient with people who are very slow to listen to him and slow to learn. And he is so long suffering as we inflict harm on each other and indulge ourselves in rebellion and apathy to his commands. 
So are we aware of this love, this noble and sacrificial love for us, how noble he is as king? And we see Jesus with that that thorny crown on his head, how sacrificial he is in in his um, willingness to bring his kingdom to us. Will we be brought to repentance and submission to his wisdom and his will for our lives? Could praying this prayer every day, Jesus told us, when you pray, pray. And he says, if you love me, keep my commands. This is a very simple command to obey, to pray the Lord's prayer and be transformed by this prayer, to gain these glimpses into God's love, to be prepared to love other people in these ways. Could this help us to stand firm in our service and worship to God as as our king, to be faithful in serving him above all the other gods of this world, the God of our own selfish heart, and show others how good he is as a king, how much better it is to serve him than to serve ourselves. If we pray, thy kingdom come, we'll more clearly see through each of our days what his will is for, for our daily lives. Praying, thy will be done, this is this really hit me for the first time after I've been praying this for years and years. It should remind us every day of Gethsemane that often when we obey God, we will suffer like Jesus did, but that glorious resurrection will follow. When Jesus prayed, thy will be done, not my will, even though he'd asked God if there's any other way for your will to be done, he submitted to that. So when we choose this submission to God's will over our own, we will help others to do the same. Because how many times have you been helped to endure what God has called you to do by thinking of Christ, going through obedience, obedience all the way to the point of death. And we know we haven't yet resisted you know, our sin to the point of shedding blood like Jesus Christ. So this could help us if we pray this every day and think of Jesus Christ every day in Gethsemane, willingly submitting to what is hard to obey and remembering that often it is not easy to do it, what God wants us to do. The next phrase where it says, on earth as it is in heaven, is so beautiful because God's love here, you see, is humble and honorable. How many of us usually pursue relationships with people who have nothing to offer us and worse, tend to use us for what they can get out of us? We don't usually pursue those relationships. God has legions of angels who serve him night and day. The rest of creation, the trees, the animals serve God, praise God without rebellion. Yet God pursues our fickle hearts knowing that because of his power, he can make us a faithful bride. Jesus wanted us to remember that God is being, God's will is being done in heaven by praying this every day. And he wants us to aspire to this kind of obedience. So this is a really beautiful phrase to consider and to aspire to the faithfulness of these angels who worship and praise God night and day. C.S. Lewis had some quote, and I didn't look it up, but it's basically about everyone you know is either becoming an immortal beauty or an immortal horror. And we ourselves are either becoming more like those angels who serve God night and day or more like the demons who rebel against God and pursue their own desires and their own way in their self. But we also influence each other to become more faithful to God or, or less faithful to God. So this is an important part of this prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. 
This is where we see God's love is a love that gives. He wants us to, and he wants us to ask for what we need so that we can see his love is a giving, generous, providing love. Not just, he doesn't want us to just ask this for ourselves because he told us to pray, give us, not give me. He wants us to care about others' needs, others' daily bread. He wants us to be dependent on him daily and to point others to be dependent upon him daily and to see his faithfulness daily through sharing what we have and and providing for one another. He loves to give to his children. Jesus taught about this. Love love just gives. He he mentions multiple times in the gospels that if you give food, water, shelter, love to others, his word, his teachings to others, you are being a vessel of his love and you are showing that you truly love him. So this is huge. God wants these things to be provided for us. He wants us to be a part of providing those things for others. If you can picture the whole world as a big room and over you here, over here you have these kids with all these toys, all this food, and over here in this room, you have in this side of the room, you have some kids who literally have no clothes to wear, who have no food to eat, who only have very dirty water to drink. And you see these kids not taking the time to go over here and share or just walk over and hand them some of their food. What would you think of these kids? And especially if their parent is saying, hey, you guys need to share what you have so they have this over here and they just reject that. This is why we need to pray this every day so that we can remember that we have brothers and sisters in the world and in our own town many times who need the love, the shelter, the food, the water, the word of God that we have so much of. So that right there is a whole, a whole nother um, thing that, that I would love to talk about. But the main point that you can get out of this section is, can we be content? Can we be grateful that we have more than enough? And will that lead to us being generous? Are we mindful of others' needs? Do we love to give to meet those needs as Christ's hands and feet? And does our giving enable others to see this giving love of their Father? So that's the the awesome um, truth you can get out of give us this day our daily bread. We see God's heart where he wants us to see his provision and he wants us to be vessels of that provision to others. Forgive us our debts or trespasses, as it says in Luke, as we forgive. God's love forgives. So if you can receive that, no matter what shame you might be holding on to, no matter what guilt you have, any insecurities that you have because of things that have happened in the past, um, knowing how God lo- how God's love just completely lavishly, no matter if we deserve, we don't deserve it, totally undeservedly, He forgives us, but it is graciously conditional upon our forgiveness of others. And this is a silly illustration, but when you don't forgive, it's like choosing to live with a UTI. (laughs) It is hurting you. You need to take that medicine because it is hurting you when you don't forgive. And as a result, it hurts other people. You get, you'll get cranky. You'll, you know, snap at people because you're in pain. And that's a, a very silly illustration, but forgiveness is the best gift you can give to yourself. But for some reason, we love to hang on and nurture our hurt and anger and water those seeds of bitterness and let those thoughts of what that person said or did roll around and around in our mind instead of letting it go, forgiving it. And here's some 
three stages of forgiveness from this book, The Art of Forgiving, that you can see through scripture. The first stage is to remember other people's humanity. Remember, like God remembers for us, that we are but dust. We're dust. We're mi- we need to be mindful of that for each other so we can have mercy on each other. We need to surrender our right to get even just as God does not punish us for all of our sins, even though he has the right. We need to surrender the right to get even and extend grace, extend the, the gift of that, forgive, that kind of forgiveness. And then wishing people well, genuinely, where, where Jesus said to pray for your enemies and bless those who curse you. We extend hope because God's, again, through God's power, he can change anyone. He can change the, the worst sinner, the, the most hateful person, the person who's wreaked the most havoc upon you or your family. And so we can wish people well who have hurt us. Forgiveness does not necessarily mean reconciliation because that's dependent on two people. That does not equal unconditional trust because trust has to be rebuilt. But it does mean mercy, grace, and giving hope. And the last phrase in the Lord's prayer is lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So God's love protects and delivers. And this is the kind of love he wants us to show to each other as well. The the selfless love of the good shepherd. To him, we're worth the time, the focus, the discomfort, the danger, and yes, even death to protect us from the snares of evil. This is huge. He wants us to pray for this because he wants us to look to him for guidance away from temptation and deliverance from evil. But are we willing to submit to this kind of love? When we pray this, we become more willing to submit to the love that will lead us away from temptation and deliver us from evil. It changes our hearts. Um, And so we need to pray this because many times we love our sin more than the Savior. And secondly, how willing are we to extend this kind of love to our family, friends, and community? It is very difficult to talk to a friend about something you see them falling into, if they haven't asked you to especially. It is very difficult to stand up for what's right if you're in a community of people who are not doing the right thing in certain ways. We need to deliver each other who are being taken away to death. This is in Proverbs, those who are staggering to the slaughter. If people, if your friends and family are staggering towards the slaughter of the love of money, something that can kill the love of God faster than anything else. If you see a friend who's staggering towards the death of lust by watching the wrong kinds of wrong kinds of shows. If you see your kids who are staggering to the death of being completely addicted to the approval of others through their social media accounts and whatever, are you willing to do what it takes to snatch them away from those snares, to, to cancel your internet if you need to, to have those confrontational conversations that are so difficult to have in a humble and gracious and truthful way. But this is what love does. It protects and it delivers. And the rest of that passage says in, in Proverbs, if we say, we didn't know it, does God not consider it who weighs our hearts? Does he not know it who sees your soul? Will he not render to man according to his work? And that's where you see that love is an action. Love is an action that will go and, and say, I know that children are being abused in my county. I am willing to become a foster parent. I am willing to support the people who are if I really can't do it. Um, I know that people are 
are addicted to drugs in my community, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to help them get the love that they need, the support that they need, the resources that they need, the opportunity to be in a rehabilitational facility if they're too poor to do it. Love delivers does not just allow people to go into temptation, does not just freely let people fall off the cliff into the, the, the hands of the evil one. So we cannot keep God's love for ourselves. We cannot just be um, bottomless recipients of love. That doesn't happen. We become gluttonous creatures if we do not take the love that God has given us and work it out into love for others in our family and our friends and our community and in the world. And so praying the Lord's prayer can help us cleanse out ourselves to be free vessels of God's love. And I hope that that encourages you guys and gives you some good thoughts to think about as you pray the Lord's prayer.